Welcome to the Not A Mommy Yet podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Fay. I started the Not A Mommy Yet blog and this podcast because I've always known I want to be a parent one day, and you might be listening because you feel the same. You may have also heard people with kids say things like, I wish I had known this before I had kids, or I wish I had done that. Hearing those comments made me think about the parts of my life I want to spend more time focusing on before I have kids in ways that will benefit me as a parent. So I started a list of people who can teach me about health, money, relationships, psychology, and more, and started interviewing them, and this podcast was born. Whether you plan to have kids or not, I think you'll find something interesting in this podcast for you. I hope you enjoy, subscribe, and maybe even share it with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. Today on the Not A Mommy Yet podcast, I am speaking with Vanessa Van Edwards. Vanessa is lead investigator at Science of People, a best-selling author of Captivate, the science of succeeding with people, and she has an amazing YouTube channel that more than 20 million people watch. Vanessa shares tangible skills to improve interpersonal communication and leadership, including her insights on how people work. She's developed a science-based framework for understanding different personalities to improve our emotional intelligence, or EQ, and help us communicate with colleagues, clients, customers, partners, and more. She works with entrepreneurs, growing businesses, and trillion-dollar companies. She's also an alum of my alma mater, Marlboro, here in Los Angeles, and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. Um, Hi, Vanessa. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So just to jump right in, I think uh, people might be wondering what exactly is a human behavior investigator. Not obviously you study human behavior, but what do you do? Have you always been interested in this or was there kind of a moment in your life that inspired you to pursue this path? Yeah, you know, I've always been fascinated with how people work, and I like to joke that I'm a recovering awkward person, Mm. so people skills never came very naturally to me, and so I had to figure out if there was a way to learn about behavior um, from more of a blueprint perspective or a formula perspective, and I realized there's actually a lot of amazing science out there, we just don't really know about it, so I made it my mission to figure out what was the science of how we work. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally, I mean, it sounds like a very interesting pursuit. I mean, people are such interesting creatures. We're all very different, but I'm sure you've learned a lot through this and that it does boil down to kind of certain characteristics or qualities that kind of we all show certain similarities on. Um, And I was looking through your YouTube channel and it's really incredible. You guys, you have so much content on there, which is really great. And it makes sense. I mean, you have 20 million followers, so that's pretty amazing. Um, But in this context of, you know, Not A Mommy Yet, my blog, and people who are thinking about having kids one day, I know a lot of what you do is focused a lot on career path and, you know, getting to work well with your coworkers or growing up the ladder, that kind of stuff. And that's really relevant for people who want to have kids because I know people specifically who don't want to have kids until their careers are really well set, they're well settled into it and it's really well established. So how do you kind of help people figure out what that path might look like? And especially, you know, for people who aren't even sure what they want to pursue. Yeah, I think actually they're, they're, so tied in together and they're not they're part of the same pattern mm-hmm. what I mean by that is when you're thinking about having babies it's almost the same conversation as 
thinking about your life path. And when I think about our life, I often have noticed that people talk about rhythms. Mm-hmm. So for example, something I learned about myself from a very young age is that I tend to do really well in bursts. Like I never was a long distance runner. And it's so funny, I got my genetics done by 23andMe many, many years ago. And it said in my like genetic report that I'm more likely a sprinter, not a long distance runner. It's <laughs> like, is everything about my personality. I tend to do really well in like very intense bursts. I like really intense things. Like, you know, I, I will prefer a pulsing boxing class to like a slow cardio class. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really like intense things. And that was important for me to know in terms of like the rhythm of my life. So I would sort of do the same thing for people who are listening. Think about how do you best work? Do you like to have balance, 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 harmony, 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 where when you are thinking about your life, you like to have perfect amount of work, play, health, spiritual. You'd be better off trying to, um, when you're thinking about having kids, setting it up so that nothing goes out of balance, right? You have enough time for everything. Mm -hmm. Versus me, I know I work better at first. So I was like, okay, before I had a baby, I thought about, how can I work intensely, 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 and then completely stop working and just focus on the baby? Mm-hmm. That I know that was a very different way of setting myself up for that. So I would think, how do you think about your life? Is it more about balance or is it more about spurts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually really relevant to my life right now too. I I tend to thrive, I've realized since graduating from business school six years ago and like going out into the world and actually working. I've realized that one job tends to bore me after a while. It's hard for me to stay motivated with just one job, like every single day going in kind of same pattern. And so I've set myself up now where I almost have too many things going on. And um, I'm like actually literally right now in this moment covered in hives and I'm swollen from head to toe. I think it's a stress re- stress reaction my body's having right oh, now. No. Yeah, no. it's really bad. Um, but it also really forced me to check in with myself and I think kind of set my priorities and stop thinking like, oh, I should also do this and also do this and getting excited about so many things, but really finding what works for me. And um what really drives me so and also you know just something to think about in terms of framework here is if you think about your life and this is an exercise i love to do with my students just i think it's really a a beautiful way to look at the path of your life get out a big blank sheet of paper Mm -hmm. and draw the different phases of your life so at the bottom of the sheet of paper put um zero through your age Mm -hmm. right so right now i'm 34 so zero through 34 i have those numbers based on the bottom Mm -hmm. and then um at drawing the rest of your life so for me like the first years of my life were wonderful and then my parents got divorced which mm-hmm. created a lot of turbulence in my life and then um, I had a really hard time in middle school but I loved high school mm-hmm. and then the college was sort of a weird distant place and so I was able you're able to kind of map out your life you can also look at look at sort of the peaks and valleys of your life yeah and think about what triggered the best points of your life and the worst points of your life and so in this exercise I have people put a star next to the best point of their life it's mm-hmm. a little star on the chart and then what led up to that like all the things before that what led up to that and then also some of the low parts of your life and so I always have a, 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 a sad face on that part of their life what were the events that led up to that because I think that if we're thinking about um, motherhood or even parenthood we have to 
have space in our life to create a peak moment or a high moment. And of course, like being a, a mother and I, I bought my baby now is 16 months old. There's definitely times where you're tired and it's really hard. So in a weird way, it's sort of the best part of your life and the worst part of your life. Mm-hmm. And one thing I think about a lot in terms of being a mother, not I don't know if we can jump ahead this far, but being a parent, one thing that no one ever told me, which I kind of wish I'd been more prepared for, is it is the most beautiful, the most amazing thing you've ever done. But it also is a time where you brought back to your absolute basics. Mm-hmm. You actually become a baby yourself. And when you're pregnant or you're thinking about having a baby, you're climbing up the ladder of needs. So if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, mm-hmm. he starts off with basics, food safety, food and shelter, clothing, and then you go up to goals, self-actualization, self-esteem, community. And before you have a baby, you're at the very top of the hierarchy. You're thinking about goals and life and dreams and motivation and your community. The moment you have a baby, you're right back to the bottom of the pyramid. You're like, can I get enough to eat? Can I get enough sleep? Are we going to be okay? And that happens in basically as long as your labor. Literally, like from the moment you go into labor, I had a 24-hour labor. So it's 24 hours, all of a sudden I went from the very top of the pyramid to the very bottom of the pyramid. <laughs> and, and that's kind of a crazy place to be because it brings it into the most tired and exhausted part of your life, but also the most amazing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really good to know where that would fit into your life cycle. Yeah, definitely. And and focusing on those needs too, even before you have kids, has a lot of value too. In a way, it could prepare you for parenthood, but just... Like myself, like, I don't know if I've been giving myself those basic needs the past few weeks. I've been kind of just excited, moving around a lot, traveling, focusing on a lot of other people, other things separate from myself. And now I'm kind of reaping the consequences or like (laughs) enjoying the consequences of it all. And you know what? That is a lot of parenting. It's like a lot of you made small choices or medium choices, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're feeling the consequences of those choices. I think that what we choose to do in the, you know, five years before we have a baby, three years before we have a baby, nine months before we have a baby, all of those really add up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in terms of, I w- I'd like to now talk about compatibility and finding a partner, like knowing when you're ready to have kids. My mom always says to me, you're going to know when you're ready to get married, when you meet the person that you want to marry. It's, she keeps, she makes it very simple. <laughs> like it's not, um, so I'm sure it's, you know, like you'll be ready to have kids when you're ready to have kids or when you meet the person you want to have kids with, it could be that simple. Um, so I know you, I've, t- I've heard you talk about compatibility and how people can know if the person that they're with, you know, Maybe not to say you're not compatible, you shouldn't be with that person, but to recognize the things that are different and how to address them appropriately to like ensure a long lasting relationship. So how do you people, how do you help people work through that or recognize those qualities? Yeah. So one of my favorite things to do, and this is a very different way of thinking about compatibility, is learning you and your partner's five basic personality traits. So there's a ton of personality, quote, unquote, uh, science or quizzes out there like Enneagram and DISC, Myers-Briggs, the actually only one that's backed in science, they've proven to be replicable, is called the Big Five. Mm-hmm. It's basically that everyone has five basic personality traits. I talk about this a lot in my book, where you're either high, medium, or low in each trait. 
And so what's really helpful is they've actually found research on which traits do well together. And if those traits, if you have those traits, great, you're going to have a very strong foundation. But if you don't have those matching traits, that's okay because you can then work systems into your relationship mm-hmm. to make sure you're okay. I'll give you a specific example. So one of the behavior traits is agreeableness. Agreeableness is how you work on a team. It's if you default to no or yes. So highly agreeable people are yes people. They typically are like, sure, whatever you want, whatever you need, I'll go with you. Low agreeable people are very skeptical. They default to no. They say things like, oh, that's not for me, or let me Google that, or let me back that up in science. Right. So they found that if two highly agreeable people are partnered, they tend to have financial problems. And that's because they're both so agreeable that they don't have, they don't make the hard decisions well. Right. So you find, you take this, it's a free test. We have it on our website or my book. It's sciencesevil.com slash personality. We have it up there for free. Take it as many times as you want. If you find that you and your partner are both high agreeable, that's okay. It just means that you should hire a low agreeable accountant <laughs> in, immediately. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so I think that that's a lot of for parenting as well is I am very, very high in conscientiousness. My husband is medium in conscientiousness. So for me, one of the things that really um, has helped me as a parent, but also hurt me as a parent, is my conscientiousness. I'm super, you know, I want to know the schedule. I want to know the feeding patterns. I want to have every possible piece of gear that I could ever need. And my husband's more like, it'll all work out. Mm-hmm. She'll be fine. And so he can balance me sometimes. He actually does. And I'll seek him out for that when I'm like, relax me. Right? Like, tell me this is no big deal. He's great at that. Right. But when I know that we have to pack for a 10-day trip with an 11-month-old, mm-hmm. that's going to be me. Yeah, definitely good to have someone kind of – first of all, it's good to recognize that in, within yourself, right? Because I think being honest with who you are as a person and really taking the time to reflect – people, I think more people need need to do it. And the benefits are so high from that because then I think you can just function at a higher level because you're not pretending you're something you're not, or like, you know, telling people they're wrong. (laughs) Like, you know, it's just, it's who you are and there's nothing to be. Exactly. Um, so I'm definitely going to take that quiz because I, I want to know what my, where I land on all five traits. And I do think it's great too, that you have a husband or a partner that's you know, not the same place as you and can balance you out in some ways where I'm sure you balance them out in other ways. So it's it's definitely really beneficial for everyone involved. Definitely very interesting that two highly agreeable people don't know how to manage money, but it makes sense. <laughs> and, there's a, and there's a lot of really interesting research like that as well where I think compatibility is not finding your perfect puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, there's no like, oh, you should be both be high, agree, high right. open but one lone neurotic one. No, it's knowing where you are and then how you're going to work with it. Exactly. So once you know those things about yourself and um, you can take kind of a deeper look, especially I, I like to think, you know, before I have kids, what areas of my life can I work on to make sure for the benefit of my kids. So basically, for an example, you know, developing a a healthier relationship with food and figuring out ways to talk about food in positive ways and and just, you know, how to talk about food. It's not really a skill you learn. Um, And so working on that is something I'm working on. Was there anything that you focused more on while you were pregnant or before you had, before you decided to get pregnant um, that you wanted to work on or maybe something you're even working through as a new mom? Yeah, 
So first, I was so lucky to stumble across uh, Lily Nichols' work. She is a nutritionist and researcher specifically on food for women and mm-hmm. specifically on food for pregnancy and postpartum, so like breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And um, I was so excited to get her work because the way that she describes it is um, we, we usually think about nutrition as like fertilizer. So for example, I was always the kind of person where I was like, you know, when I get pregnant, I'm going to eat all organic and I'm going to eat vegetables every day and I'm going to eat really high fiber oats. I thought I got my head. And, <laughs> and um, then I uh, didn't take us too long to get pregnant, but took a couple months and um, I met with my doctor, my, my OBGYN. And I was saying, what do I need to eat? You know, what, what do I need to do? Or do I just wait until I'm pregnant? And she's like, actually, your body is not like soil where you add fertilizer when you're pregnant. Your body is much more like the, the, what you've been eating for months and years is where your body, your baby pulls from. Right. So think about it this way. Your baby is pulling from your bones and your muscle, not your gut. So actually, whatever you're eating right now, not pregnant, is more important than you think it's not just about the pregnancy and the funny thing about that is that actually brought me tremendous relief because i was like i don't want to put all my pressure on myself for that nine months right like i actually want to be able to do something ahead of time and the good news was is that really did matter those little choices and the funniest part funniest part of all is i get pregnant and the first few weeks, great, magical, it's a secret, we can't tell anyone. And then literally the eight-week mark, which is supposedly when it happens to everyone, the morning sickness. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they don't tell you this, but a lot of morning sickness is actually all-day sickness. And yeah. you literally feel like you have the flu. And guess what? The only thing I wanted to eat, flour, sugar, and cheese. <laughs> I could not keep down a vegetable for any amount of money in the world. I did not eat a vegetable for three months because literally I could not keep it down. I just vomited it up. Right. So the funniest part of all is that when you're pregnant, the food you're eating is actually less important than what your what your body is made of because your body's in so much turmoil. It's actually digesting completely differently than it normally digests. Oh, wow. So, That's so interesting. Yeah, so I would say definitely check out Lily Nichols' blog and some of her books. They're amazing. That's the first thing about food. The other thing is I think that some of the little time-giving rituals that you can learn ahead of time are amazing investments. And people said I was so silly for doing some of these things. And I will tell you, 16 months into motherhood, I am grateful every day (sighs) for these small investments. So I'll just list a couple of them that are kind of fun. Okay. Um, one is um, I got laser hair removal before getting pregnant to get rid of all my like leg hair, arm hair. Sounds really small, but now I never have to shave, and otherwise I would never have time to shave. Yeah. And the funny thing is, my friends, we all agree on the same thing. Is my friends who have not got laser hair removal are like, yeah, I'm literally hairy. There's no time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that was a great investment to make, just in terms of time. Um, second is um, I knew that the first six to nine months of being a mom would be kind of crazy, and I didn't want my friendships to go by the wayside. And so what I did is before I my eighth or nine month of pregnancy, I looked at all of my friends' birthdays that were coming up in the next six, six months. I got all of their birthday gifts. I went to lunch with all of them, and I said, hey, your birthday is in four months, and I think 
tired or busy, and I'm not going to have time to get this. So happy birthday. That's genius. It was hilarious because my friends all thought it was so funny. And also, they appreciated their gift way more because they got it away from their birthday. Yeah. And let me tell you, that is exactly what happened. When it actually, when when I was in the thick of it, I, I, there's no way I would remember anyone's birthday. And then what would have happened is I either would have forced myself to try to get something or felt so guilty about not getting them something. And so the fact that I was like, oh. I already did their birthday. I don't have to worry about it. It was like the greatest thing. And also I got to spend some really nice time with my friends before I gave birth. Right. And their quote unquote birthday lunch. Yeah. No, that's really nice. That's a genius idea. <laughs> that would just, it's just, you know, so many positives to it. The other um, kind of small things, which sound small, but they really, really help is learn how to make tent. 10 healthy, delicious, fast meals mm-hmm. under 10 minutes. Ideally, two or three of them that you could freeze. Because if you have 10, you'll never run out of things to cook. And the weirdest thing happens to your brain when you're in those first few months, you literally don't remember anything. You're like, I used to eat food. What did I eat? <laughs> like, it's you're so in the zone and you're so tired that having those 10 meals that a, a, my freezer was stocked, but B, I knew exactly what I had to buy. Like, for example, one of my meals is pre-cut um, veggies. So, like, pre-washed, pre-cut. I don't have to chop anything. I don't have to wash anything. Green beans, zucchini, whatever. Throwing it in a pan with olive oil and garlic. And not the kind of garlic that's fresh. That's great for when you didn't have a two-month-old. <laughs> the kind that comes in a jar or in a tube. Yeah. Works just as good. Squeeze it into the pan, and then uh, instant brown rice and uh, chicken from the grocery store. Easy, amazing meal, super easy, and it saved us like in those first few months. So ten at home meals that are really delicious. They have to be good. They can't be too healthy. Delicious <laughs> and good, a little bit healthy, and then ten that if someone texts you, "Hey, I want to stop by and see the baby. Do you need anything?" 10 meals or snacks that you know exactly what they are, you know what your order is, that you can text people to bring you. Oh, that's a good one. They really want to offer to help. What always happens is you're like, oh, what do I get from that smoothie place? What's it called again? Uh, Never mind. Whatever. Whatever you want. And they bring you something you don't like. (laughs) And if you're going to try to breastfeed especially, it's really important that you have food that you just look forward to and love. And if people are coming over, they should always bring something. That's the rule. That's a fair rule. (laughs) But they can't bring you something if you don't know. So what started happening to me until I figured this out was people would bring me stuff that I was trying not to eat. So I was trying to eat somewhat healthy, especially for breastfeeding. So they'd bring over like cake or cupcakes or cookies. And what I actually wanted was like whole bowls and turkey chili and sushi because I hadn't eaten it for so long. And smoothies. Like I wanted different kinds of food but people didn't know they would say what can I bring I'd say oh nothing you're fine you don't bring over anything but they would bring over a big tray of cupcakes yeah so having 10 not only places but your exact order and I my mom actually did this for me and I, I thought it was so silly and now I'm so grateful she actually made a little piece of paper where she put down my 10 
places, meals that I love, like from places so people can either order mm-hmm. them or pick them up with my food allergies and my husband's. Oh, wow. And so people just saw it on the fridge. They knew what it was. If it was like five o'clock, they'd be like, hey, do you want me to order dinner? And I didn't have to make a choice. They just ordered it. That's great. Yeah, that's definitely helpful to have that support system in place in a way that also you were able to kind of not control, but, you know, like help facilitate basically. Um, People really want to help you. You just have to make it easier. Yeah, exactly. So now your daughter is 16 months, like you said, and how has that experience been? Like, how has your community changed? And also, I'd love to know, you did recommend Start Up Pregnant, the podcast to me by Sarah K. Peck. And a lot of that has to do with being pregnant or being a mother in the workforce, entrepreneurs, all of that. You know, how has becoming a mother adjusting to that changed your work life? Yeah, I think it's, you know, people had told me, oh, like once you're a mother, you feel like a different person. And that actually scared me. Like that advice always made me feel really anxious. Mm-hmm. And I now I understand what they meant, which I wish it maybe had been framed a little differently, which is being a mother will change you forever, but you still feel like you, mm-hmm. you know, like I still feel like me when I'm talking to you or when I'm at work, when I'm working out when I'm at home I still feel like me but of course I'm different Mm -hmm. and that's actually the nice part of it and I I think what I realized is that um you can make as many decisions as possible to get ready for motherhood like my husband and I signed up for a athletic gym that has child care because we knew that we were going to be parents that was a great decision yeah little did we know that I would be too anxious to let my daughter into child care before she got her vaccines so we didn't even use it So you can set yourself up for as many great decisions as possible and definitely do that because some of the decisions we made worked out really well. Mm -hmm. But there's also something that happens when you're a parent, which is that you never would have imagined that you would have made certain choices. Like I never would have imagined we, um, I'm from Los Angeles, California, and then we live in, we, we used to live in Portland and four months after having a baby, we realized we didn't want to be in Portland anymore. Mm-hmm. And we loved Portland when it was just us as, as a couple. Right. I never could have imagined that having a baby would fundamentally change my view of a place. And it fundamentally changed my view of a place. So much so that we just moved from Portland, Oregon to Austin, Texas. Wow, yeah, that's a big change. Also, two never- places that are very different than L.A., <laughs> and we, I never would have done that if it hadn't have been for Sienna, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So definitely make all the choices that you can imagine will help you as a parent, but then be really open to the fact that you're going to have totally different metrics right. <laughs> or um, uh, reasons for things that you also couldn't imagine, and like that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like I used to imagine I had my high schools picked out in Portland and our doctors forever and we were forever Portlanders (laughs) and who would have ever guessed that I'd be a Texan? Yeah. (laughs) Well, Austin is great. Oh, Austin is magical. It's magical, magical. We've been there for about seven weeks and it's even better than we could have imagined. And by the way, people thought we were crazy. They were like, what are you doing moving to a city that you've barely been to with no family with a one-year-old and we're like we just have this instinct and 
like we didn't realize that being with a baby in the rain was going to be so hard for us. And, you know, we didn't mind the rain when it was just us, but with a baby, it was really hard. We never could have imagined that downtown Portland has gotten a little bit violent in the last few years. There's a lot of protests in Portland. Never could have imagined that that would have made me nervous every time I took my baby downtown for a doctor's appointment. Just things like that I never would have imagined. And we envisioned something else in Austin, and that something else ended up being even better than we thought. Well, that's great. That's so awesome when things like that work out that way. Hopefully it'll continue. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Austin's great. Um, So for our quick final round of questions that I like to ask everybody, um, the first one is what words or mantra do you like to live by? So I have a little uh, post-it note taped to my computer that says, may everyone who comes into contact with you leave better when they first saw you. Oh, that's good. I like that one. And that's such a nice thing to, like, pass on to your kids, too. Always leave someone more positive. Exactly. Um, And then we all know it takes a village to raise kids. So what do you most value in your community helping you raise your daughter? I think um, I really value different parenting approaches. Mm -hmm. I wish, I wish that when I had friends that had become mothers, I didn't just stop by to drop off casserole that I actually had stayed for bedtime routine that I went over for a morning routine that I stayed for an entire meal that I had watched them put their baby down to nap Mm -hmm. I never even thought to like watch that process right and then I became a mother and I was like fascinated by the different ways to do it so now it's so incredibly helpful to go over to someone's home and be like wow they they do lunch totally different than I do they do bedtime totally different than I do Mm -hmm. that helps so much and so I would say variety of parenting role models and perspectives and not just the drop by of a casserole not just going to the park with them but like the hard stuff the everyday stuff the nap routine the bed routine the food routine that's so valuable. Yeah. I mean, even if you feel like you have something that really works well for you, it never hurts to see other ways of doing things. It, and, and I cannot tell you how many little things I have learned from watching other people's routines. And I yeah. wish I had done them earlier and more of them. Right. Well, it's never too late. And that's good you're doing it now. Um, and then last question is, what qualities do you most admire that you're hoping to instill in your daughter or you've already maybe seen her demonstrate? You know, I'm so proud of her when she does something smart or something silly, Mm -hmm. but I'm the most proud of her when she's kind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's a little bit even young to understand sharing, but it warms my heart when we're at, like, we go to, like, a little gym class, and, you know, she'll be eating a cracker, and she walks over to every other baby and offers them her cracker. Mm. And, like... That makes me, like, the most proud. And so I think if I can just raise her to be kind, that would be the greatest thing I could possibly give her. Yeah, definitely. That's a good one. Um, And that's one I feel like a good amount of people say. Just being kind, it's something that we always need more of in our world. And it's, like, a constant muscle. Like, it's not something easy. Exactly. 
Well, thank you so much, Vanessa. This has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast. Um, I'll definitely include in the podcast notes where people can find you. But if you want to share here, like maybe how you said you have some clients, like how people can work with you or find you online or on social media. Yeah, absolutely. So everything, um, my book is um, wherever books are sold. I also read my Audible book if you like to listen to audiobooks. I do fun voices. Um, and then you can also um, follow me on Instagram. I'm at the Ben Edwards, where I talk a lot about more about motherhood. You see pictures of Sienna, and she's pretty great. And uh, all the things about balancing work and motherhood. And then, of course, if you're interested in more kind of the advanced communication and relationship patterns that we talked about, Uh, get on my newsletter that's com. amazing well thank you so much Vanessa oh thank you so much for having me of course thank you for listening to this week's episode if you enjoyed it please leave a review and share it with a friend check out the podcast notes for the links we mentioned in our conversation and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode thanks for listening